Our scripture reading today comes from Genesis 4, 1-16 in the NIV. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, With the help of the Lord I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, Not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. In Hebrews 11, we read, By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous. When God spoke well of his offering, and by faith Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. In the story of Cain and Abel, we can find truths that form our faith, truths that can kick our faith into action. So today we're going to be telling the story of Cain and Abel as you can see it in Genesis 4 uh, to find out just what some of those truths are and how our faith should be lived out because of them. Once long ago, we read two boys were born. The older was a first in all ways that that can mean something. He was a first boy to ever be born. He was the first human to ever be born for that matter. And undoubtedly he was the apple of his mother's eye. For Cain, she named him, a word that means acquired. And in time would also take on another meaning as well, but we're not at that part of the story yet. Cain lived in a different world than that which his parents lived in. It was warm and the sun beat down upon him for sure, but in a way all that was around him felt off. It felt wrong, as if things were now fallen from what they once were. But nevertheless, as he 
grew up, his eyes were undoubtedly full and bright like all children's are to this day, even inquisitive and curious, always looking for the thing in life that would be the interest that takes over everything. And in time, he would find it, we can infer, uh, in the world of plants. For from the little that we know about Cain, we do know this. Cain was a man of the soil through and through. But just because this interest held his heart didn't mean there weren't other things that he cared about deeply as well. Which brings us to the second thing that we know about Cain. He spent time with God. From how the two get on in the latter part of today's passage, we undoubtedly know that God and Cain had a relationship and it was strong. And most certainly, it meant more to Cain than we reading this story to this day even ever care to admit. The second son was different than the first. Truthfully, not much can really be said about him. Something that seems to have even been the case during his life. Or so we can gather by the fact that his mother gave him the name Abel, which actually means breath or wind or vapor. Here for a moment and then gone the next. But what we can know of the younger son is how he in time came to think of his older brother. For two boys we are to take from this passage that are so opposite from one another there never could be while these days ranchers and farmers have no great beef with one another in times gone by it was not uncommon for those two professions to constantly be at each other's throats constantly talk smack about one another and so that all we know of the brothers is that one's life was dedicated to plants and the other was to animals, says all that we need to know about how these two brothers understood the other to be. Hatred? Probably not. Hence, beyond a doubt, that would be true. They were brothers, so I doubt they ever really truly hated each other completely. Beyond that, they both even had the same love for God, which means even if nothing else they had that common interest and relationship to unite them. So tense is how I would understand the brothers to be. Not the kind of tense that prevents us from being around each other, but instead the kind that always has your back up. The kind that can easily give way to something worse if anything sparks it. And so we come to the part of the story that lights the match. For reasons we are not told, the two brothers decide to give a gift in the form of a sacrifice to the God that they both love. If you love someone, you very well may shell out for something worth a lot to give to them, to show them how much you care for them and value them, and here, no different. And so the brothers choose their gifts. First we see Cain's, and for his God, he gives some amount of the plants that he had grown and that he had cared for so much. From a seed, he had planted them and he had nurtured them and he had tended them. They were his pride and joy. And as he gave them to God, we can almost feel that pride coursing through his veins. And if you can't, you really should. 
From the wording that is used, we can guess that Cain would have known that what he was given, giving to God was a quality gift. He had taken from his harvest enough to live on already, tasting its quality for himself. So Cain knew his gift to God would not be lacking in any way. But then Abel gave what he had to give. In terms of amount, we do not know enough to compare the two gifts. And in terms of quality, we do not know enough to compare the two gifts. But from what we are told, we do know this, that Abel gave the best of the first fruits of his flock. Before even securing his own food for the year, before even thinking of himself, Abel gave his gift to the God the brothers loved so much. It is a precious gift to show someone that you are thinking of them before yourself. It is a precious gift to say that you depend on someone else to that extent. And that is what Abel's gift said. And God, we are told, thought that this was the thing to be valued above all else as well. And he said as much. And in that moment, the tension between the two brothers gave way to fire and it burned. We are not told how long Cain's anger grew, just that it raged. It seethed enough to sweep him up in it. It stormed enough that it came to eat who he was to the point where every moment it felt more and more that it would consume him. We are told you could see it on his face. Out into the fields, we can assume he would go to work as he once did in the soil that once brought him so much happiness. But now, even as his plants grew in them, he only saw where his brother was favored and he was not. He only saw where he had come up short. Jealousy, we read, came to consume him. How could God have chosen his brother over him? He would have thought to himself, he, he who had known God longer than his brother. And in time, thinking as he did, undoubtedly his internal ravings would have degraded farther still as it does with all people. Now the same as in the days gone by, and before long the question would have been unshakable. Does God not love me too? But the Lord, we read, had his finger on the pulse of the situation as he tends to. Cain, the Almighty, pleaded with the firstborn of creation. Cain, I did not choose your brother over you. I, I love you both. But in Abel's gift, he showed his dependence on me, where in yours you didn't. So stop your anger, get a hold of your jealousy, or else you will destroy yourself. And where in this our God spoke reason, reason that we, reading this today, know to be good, to be wise and true, as the words of our God always are, to Cain, he took away from this something very different. For he had already worked himself up to the point where he was beyond listening to reason. 
even if it was from the Lord himself. And so where God gave Cain a message of love, throwing him a lifeline, essentially, Cain, in his anger, instead heard those words as meant to hurt him further. So we can hear Cain say to himself, if God wants to hurt me, I will hurt him back. And soon the fight in Cain was lost. Let's go into the field, Cain told his brother one day. The field that our gifts came from. What word is there for the feeling in your heart when you see a body lying before you? What word is there for the feeling in your heart when through your mind as you stare, there runs every memory that you have of the one that's passed on? Through your mind, every time you ran with them as a child, jumping in a lake for a midday swim, every time you fell asleep next to them while your mother held you both close, what word is there for that? Where is Abel, Cain? God spoke out. Where is the boy you grew up? Where is your own flesh and blood? When you read the story of Cain and Abel, make no mistake. As much as Abel died due to the anger between the brothers and due to Cain's losing his struggle with his sin, Abel, Abel died because Cain in that moment wanted to hurt God as he felt God hurt him. And we know that to be the case because of what he says next. What am I, my brother's keeper? That's a term that is used nearly exclusively to talk about ranchers and people that kept animals in those days. He says this while his brother's body literally lies behind him. He says this to tell God himself, I know how much you liked Abel's gift. This is what I think of that. And so, what we expect our Lord to do came to pass. Cursed are you, Cain, for what you have done. Your sin will cause you to be plagued all the days of your life. The earth that you love will resist you. Those around you will fear you and want to kill you. But I will not let them, for I am God Almighty. You will live out your days knowing what you have done, and it will haunt you. With each new coal that's placed upon Cain's head, he found himself closer and closer to begging for death. The same fate as his brother that lay feet behind him. But that was not a request granted by the Lord our God. And from that day on, the name Cain took a different meaning as well. The spear. From here, Cain goes out and builds a city, we're told. He builds it as a way of keeping the same sin that plagued him from getting out of control again. 
Living with others has a way of stopping that internal rage that drives us to do things we regret, both because there are people to talk us off those ledges, but also there is always that fear of reprisal. Somehow that always keeps us from getting completely out of hand. But we set out at the beginning of today to do one thing. To look at the story of Cain and Abel and see what truths there are to glean in it about our Christian faith and how those truths should drive us to action in turn. And from what we have gone over in the story today, I want to pick up on just three of them, just three truths of many. The first has to do with Abel's gift. Cain gave from what he loved and Abel gave from what he loved. That God chose Abel's offering was because it was from the fattest portions of the first fruits we read. That is important because in that gift we know Abel gave something that meant a lot. Essentially, before he even took what he needed to care for himself, Abel gave a gift to God. And because of that, in that gift, Abel essentially said that he depended on God for his day to day. It's not a coincidence that when millennia later Jesus taught his disciples the Lord's Prayer, he tells them to act, uh, ask for that exact thing. Give us this day our daily bread. Dependence on God for our well-being and showing that in turn in how we live, that is a major part of our daily life as a Christian. It may be true that we are no longer called to give sacrifices to God, but by being a Christian, we give up things for the Lord all the time. We, we give our money, our time, our stuff. So from this truth of our faith that we can find in this story, I, I call you to action in this way. Don't just give up to God what is easiest for you to give. Give to our God that which shows him that he means more to you than anything. Give to our God that which shows him that you depend on him. That is the first truth of our faith that I want you to take from this passage today. In all that you give to God, show how much he means to you, how much you depend on him. Now here's the second truth of our faith that I want you to take from this story. Though Abel dies, God enacts justice for him. I know that often when people hurt us or sin against us or those we love, our first impulse is to strike back and to strike hard, but that is not what our faith calls us to do at all. God is to be the judge, the jury, and the warden, not us. Now, if you are being hurt, then by all means, get out of that situation as best as you can, even if it means getting others involved. But the personal retribution, no, on that front, it is our God who is to be the God of justice. Have faith that he has your back. He says that he does. That is why we are called to turn the other cheek by Jesus. It is through faith in God that Abel speaks to this very day, the writer of Hebrews says. That, that is the second truth about our faith to be taken from this story. And undoubtedly, it will be a hard one to live out. But we are called to live it out all the same. 
Don't worry yourself with getting even. God is on it. And now we come to the third truth. I think often when we read this story of Cain and Abel, the picture that we have in our mind of who Cain is, is some purely evil figure from the moment of his birth and is beyond redemption for his entire life. There is nothing in this story that says that, though. Cain is no different than you or I. Cain is no more evil than you or I. It was just that when he started to give in to his sin, he couldn't bring himself to do what God told him to do, to stop. That is something I am sure that we all understand painfully well. In our faith, we know that we are in the same predicament with our dealing with sin as well. And perhaps when we struggle with sin, we ought to do what Cain does after this story. Go build a city. Meaning, go purposely live in a community with other people and help keep each other in check. That is not bad advice, but what I want us to take from this story about our faith isn't so much that as it is this. When Cain sins, even as terribly as he does, even with such an express purpose as to hurt God, please, please, Please notice that God doesn't abandon Cain. Consequences and judgment, for sure. I mean, come on, the dude killed his own brother. But the very nature of the curse of Cain is that God let Cain and the entire world know that God and Cain were to be bound to one another from then on. If there is a truth to take from the story of what our faith is all about, it is that. We human beings cannot sin so grievously to ever fully push God away. We can try our best to leave him, but nothing we do can ever stop our God from being in a relationship with us. That is... That is the third truth of our faith that I want us to take from this passage today. And the one I hope that those of you who need to hear it the most will open your ears to hear. Even if you feel that you are so terrible that God would never have anything to do with you, no, that isn't true. Nothing will ever separate you from the love of God. That is a central underpinning of our Christian faith. From the story of Cain and Abel, there are many truths to draw about our faith, but if you can remember just those three, that one, God wants you to show in your relationship with him how much you love and need him. That two, that you don't need to worry about getting even with those who wrong you because God has you covered. And three, that no matter what you do, you cannot push God away. If you can take just those three things and put them into practice in your life, well then through our faith in God, able will keep speaking.